0: hey what's going on everybody like thank you all for tuning in to the show got my regular crew with me darnell and tyler i'm trey and we're coming your way with the 36th edition of the don't kill the messages podcast have a lot that we have to cover this week but the first thing we're about to get into is ufc 203 you guys can check that out this saturday uh, around 10 o'clock um eastern time so let's get ready to get into that uh This is going to be pretty interesting because, uh, the first guy that we're about to talk to is CM Punk. He's going to be making his UFC debut. Uh, Darnell, what do you think about him making his debut against Mickey Gall? Uh, I don't think it's going to end well for him. I mean, this is like a lot of people are trying to compare it to Brock Lesnar, but Brock was a national, (laughs) well that, and he's a national champion. Collegiate wrestler. He's pretty much, he had a background to go with it. He was a one one of a kind athlete. And he still did it when he was kind of, he made the transition when he was in the prime years of his life. Yeah. Uh, Phil Brooks, or CM Punk as he is known, uh, is doing this at a more advanced age. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, he's next month, uh, he's going to be. 38 years old. You know, the thing about that, that's usually a time in a fighter's career where they want to hang up the gloves or where you really see a decline in their game. He's making his debut at around that age, so this is, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough for him, man, for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's, like, a, it, it definitely has that feel of a money grab that the UFC is going for. I mean, people are definitely going to tune in for it for the the car crash aspect of it, you know, you won't be able to turn and look away. And, you know, they're going to get a lot of the WWE crowd coming in. Like, you know, I'm speaking as a pro wrestling fan. I'm interested in it, even though I think it's probably like almost unsafe for CM Punk. Uh I mean, like this is a guy coming in with like maybe a year of uh BJJ experience, I think. Uh he started training while he was still in the w w e but I mean, I mean, you got guys in there that have been doing it for years, and they aren't even black belts, so yeah, I'm not even sure his his level in it, and you know he has the money to make a big camp but and the u f c tried to give him a inexperienced opponent in Mickey Gull, but I mean, this is somebody that at least went through the grind and went through lower cards as an amateur. And has worked his yeah. work way up to be in the UFC. CM Punk is getting just a free ride to get in there. And, you know, it's, it's surprising to me. It actually got sanctioned. Uh, but I, I'm, I guess go ahead and surprise me, CM Punk, but I'm not expecting him to win this fight. Yeah. Same here, duh. Just one thing I just found a little interesting. Yeah, they do have him listed as CM Punk, um, on the UFC, so I guess he's not gonna go, he's gonna stick with his whole wrestling name, uh, instead of just Phil Brooks. Um, so well, that's, yeah. that's what's marketed. Nobody, you yeah. say yeah. Phil Brooks, people are gonna say who? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> CM Punk is what made him all of his money, and yeah. he owns the rights to it, so yeah, I'm pretty sure that the plan was always, you, we will be calling you CM Punk, since that's what everybody that knows you knows yeah. you as. Good marketing. Yeah, you know, true. Um, since this is going to be his first time, you know, ever getting into the ring, if this gets bad for him, uh, you know, if he suffers a bad loss, uh, could you see this being a one-and-done for him? Yeah, I mean, if he goes in there and just gets slaughtered, and, like, brutally knocked out, where it, like, you're like I said, where you can be seriously worried if he's okay. And he, he sees like this is not a game. Like this is, this isn't scripted like the WWE. I mean, like they, they take real falls and stuff like that, but you're not taking real heavy punches and kicks to the face and those joint locks. Like you're being protected by, uh, who you're in the ring with in the WWE. These people are seriously trying to injure you. Yeah. So, I you mean, know, I'm I'm pretty sure he knows this is a totally different game. I would hope he's done some sparring right now where he's had to take some, some shots. But this is a whole different animal when the person is, like, in there not to help you train, but in there to take your lights out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel the same way, man. Uh, just like I said, this is just a new experience for him. Uh, you know, he has took some beaters in the WWE. Um, but you know, at the same time, you know, the whole purpose in the WWE is not to really actually inj- injure you. You know, it's still scripted, but you know, they do have their licks and bruises and whatnot. But these guys, when they get up in the ring with him, they're going to try to, you know, knock his head off if they can. So, uh, well, you know? and, and I think it's going to actually just be worse because, like I said, he's, he's not put, paid his dues. He's coming straight over, you know, a lot of the, MMA people, there is some crossover, but, you know, a lot of those fighters, they like to mock the WWE wrestlers because it's not legit fighting. So I think some of them might feel disrespected because, you know, CM Punk might have taken some young prospect spot. So that might be a feeling. And I I think that they might be out there to make sure he he pays for it. Yeah. Sure. Now, how do you see this fight going, man? Will he last a round or split his decision? Uh how, how do you think this will happen? Will win for CM Punk. I mean, like CM Punk, he is a tough guy, but uh and I'm and I'm not too knowledgeable on Mickey Gall. He has a two and zero record. His last, uh, uh well, yeah, was only two fights. Uh, he's won by submission. Just let you know. So. So I mean I that's kinda probably the way I would be assuming it goes. I mean get some hits to see if you can get uh CM Punk either rock trying to come at you for a takedown or something and probably he takes his back and chokes him out probably in somewhere inside the first round. Yeah, I agree. Um I think Mickey, uh I think just with him going up in there, you know, he's gonna be fighting a former professional wrestler. Things that to come in there cocky uh probably play with him a little bit and yeah ch- choke him out um think out of all the guys he choked out uh this is going to be the easiest one for him to do against us. you know this guy has no prior experience fighting professionally um in the octagon so yeah I feel the same way man I think uh Mickey's gonna have to stay with him so up next, uh, for the co-main event, we're gonna have Verdun versus Brown. Both of these guys have suffered, uh, knockouts in their last fights. Um, how do you think, uh, who do you think is gonna get the edge and win this one? Garner? Uh, as long as he is back to having smart game plans and fighting the way he's supposed to fight, I'm gonna go with Fabricio Verdun. Yeah. Uh, I think he, I don't know, fell in love with his hands a little bit. yeah. Uh, when he lost the belt, I mean, with that chasing down a Miocic that he did, it just was ridiculous. Yeah, so perfect way for him to get caught, like he did. Yeah. So I think hopefully his coaches settled him down and have shown him like that's that's not your bread and butter. You're you you've gotten a lot better with your hands, but you were one of the best uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu players to ever come through MMA. Right. So. Your hands to get somebody to the ground and do what you do best. And if he does that, he should be Travis Brown. Yeah. So you think, uh, TK, TKO on the ground or what? How do you? Uh, no, I'm thinking probably, uh, some type of submission. Okay. Uh, a joint locker or, or a guillotine or something, uh, based on him working, working the ground on him. It's just he has to get, uh, Travis Brown to the ground. Yeah, you know, I, I, can respect that. For some reason, I'm just feeling a, uh, knockout for Perdun for some reason. Uh, Brown, he's been tested time to time with his shin. Uh, I just think, I think he's gonna try to work him on the ground and things like that. Fatigue might settle in, but I just think, uh, Verdun's gonna end up catching him and getting a, uh, TKO, just a regular knockout, uh, of some sort. Just what I'm feeling, uh, with him against Brown. So, uh, but I could definitely see him working the ground against a Mission on him for sure, but I'm just, I gotta go with my gut feeling on this Um yeah. now, uh the main event, uh, before we get into that, uh, can you see whoever wins this fight? Uh can you can you see them ending up facing the winner of the main event? I can see Verdoom. Okay, a rematch. But you think Brown will still have to work. Okay. I think so. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Now we're about to get into Overeem versus Mioshik. That's gonna be the uh Main event for the fight, uh, whoever wins there well, Miochik, he can either retain his title or Overeem, he can take the heavyweight title off of him. Um, how do you see this fight going? This is an interesting one. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's gonna be a stand-up fight. There's gonna be some heavy shots thrown. Uh, Miocic is, is shown to be a very smart heavyweight. Uh, he, he gets in and out. He picks his punch as well. He's a good counter puncher. Uh, Overeem seems to, as of late, has found his groove again. Where he's he's being patient. He's not trying to go into slugfest with people. He's moving in and out. He's I think he's bought into Greg Jackson's system, uh, and his his career has resurged for it. So I mean. I I guess I'm feeling like it's finally Overeem's time to get the heavyweight title. That's evaded him for a while. So I think he, he gets like a, maybe a third round TKO. Yeah, I'm feeling, uh, the same way, man. You already know right I, I love Overeem. So uh, I'm going to be rooting for him regardless, but, uh, he's just been on a tear, uh, his last four fights, uh, and then I'm uh, winning his last four fights three out of the four were due to KOs. Uh, Stipe Miocic, uh he was doing good, too. His last three fights he's won, uh, they were all TKOs. Well, well yeah, well, KOs. K K-O, depends with KOs. So both of these guys will look good in the ring. I just think with uh, all of Overeem's experience and just how he's just been on a tear lately, uh, if everything goes well, I just think he's going to end up catching um, Miocic, uh in the fight. So uh, either way, you know, Whoever ends up winning, like I said, I do have overrun winning by a KO, but I think somebody's going to get rocked, uh, in that ring for sure, uh, come Saturday, so. Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't bet on a decision in this fight. Yeah. So, I think that's going to be a heck of a fight to see, to see some guys standing up, just slugging it out, so. Now, any other thoughts for the UFC? Uh, I mean, it should be a fun card. Uh, you also got Uriah Favor on the card. Yeah. Uh, Got uh Fesh Kaida, uh Ronda Rousey's last win, uh who she beat, uh versus just guy, and then you got Joanne Calderwood, that some I remember from uh one lady season at Ultimate Fighter. Got some good fighters on there, so it should be an interesting card. Yeah. So definitely uh should be a good car for sure. So I'm gonna try to check it out this Saturday see how it's uh gonna play out. Uh just CM Punk, man, it's Wow, you're going to have to protect yourself, man. It's going to be different from the WWE. I'm really going to be – I'm not going to be expecting a lot out of him in that fight, but it's just going to be good to see him in that ring, man, to see what he's going to do. So Chin down, hands up. So. <laughs> For sure. All right, now we're going to get into some NCAA football. Uh We really could have just devoted this whole show uh, to college football, man. It was just what a week. Um, for it to just start off like it did for week one, man. It was absolutely amazing weekend of football for sure. Um, just what are you guys' thoughts on week one and the new rankings? Finally,
1: it's here. Yeah. You know, I I think, yeah, I think that's the overwhelming response. (laughs) For sure.
0: Yeah, but it's crazy to have. I mean, you usually have that one week in the season where it seems like. Everybody at the top of the poll gets upset, mm. but you don't expect it week one. Yeah. Uh, we we got it week one. Uh, so, I mean, it was just, you, this was the one time where everybody that says polls don't matter this early, like, polls don't matter this early this year. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of teams were greatly underrated, and some were greatly overrated, and uh, we're starting, we, we see some of that shake up and, you know, coming, coming out of this week one, it looks like I'm looking at a poll from like 1994 with all the
1: yeah. old school
0: powers being back up top. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I completely agree. Um, it seems like there is one week of the year where it's upsets. Maybe this is a year of upsets. You know, last year it was kind of the year of the crazy finish. Maybe it's the year of the upset this year. And you know, if, that's what we have in store for us. If week one was just a glimpse, man, it's going to be a heck of a year. It is going to be a heck of a year. But, uh, yeah, I, I think we saw a lot of things we expected. Uh, we saw some teams take care of business that really should have taken care of business. We saw games we thought were going to be close turn into blowouts and we saw some games we thought were going to be blowouts end up close. So we, we got a, we got a very nice taste of everything that college football can offer all in week one.
0: Now, what's, what are your guys' biggest surprise for week one?
1: Uh, I think one big surprise for me was Tennessee. Uh, a lot of people are picking them to win the SEC East. A lot of people are even picking them to win the SEC, which I may, I may not necessarily be there. And I'm not saying that just because of week one, even last week. I'll pick them to, I believe I picked them to win the SEC East, but I definitely not win the SEC. Uh, they played Appalachian State. I know that team a little too well. Uh (laughs) unfortunately. But uh, you know, I think nobody expected them to have an overtime thriller week one against Appalachian State. Uh that that definitely put a reality check on Tennessee very fast. Yeah. Uh
0: my biggest surprise surprise is were Texas for good reasons. Yeah. And uh, LSU for bad reasons. Uh, expected, uh, Texas to make some strides this year, uh, but they, they seem to be well up for the challenge. I mean, it's still early, so I don't know if it was people, uh, underrating Texas too much or overrating Notre Dame too much, but they, they showed that they're getting better and possibly in a hurry. Uh, they f- figured, you, it's one of the few times where it looks like a two-quarterback system might work. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how that goes in the future. Uh, then on the other side, LSU, I uh, figured they would have made some changes so that their quarterback play would be uh, improved over last year, but Les Miles kind of just said we're going to keep doing what we've been doing, and <laughs> that's leaning on Leonard Fournette. And I think all that's gonna do is get that, get that kid hurt before he can get to the league and make his money, huh? Uh, because, uh, nobody's respecting that passing game and I don't see that changing anytime soon unless they have a backup sitting that they can throw in there that might be able to open it up.
1: Yeah. You know, speaking of LSU Wisconsin game, watching that game in the first half, it was more, of a question you know it it was clearly a defensive game in the first half I think everybody can agree with that you know Wisconsin found a way to really limit Leonard Uh I think he really only had one maybe two substantial runs in the first half which kind of surprised me I figured he'd get a quick one right out of the gate Uh, I figured LSU would have had a had a scheme play set up just for Leonard Fournette and really get him going early on and I feel like Wisconsin did a great job of shutting him down early and often. Uh, he still ended up with, you know, with decent numbers. Uh, you know, he didn't break 200 yards, which we've seen him do consistently. But, uh, you know, I, I think the surprise in that game for me wasn't necessarily LSU once again not finding, you know, consistency in a quarterback. I think I was a little more surprised with the, stability that Wisconsin's offense provided once they got rolling a little bit I didn't expect their offense to come out and really move the ball like they were able to do they haven't found a quarterback in the last week well since Russell Wilson since he transferred there they haven't really had a quarterback that was able to really move the ball for them down the field with what seemed to be ease at times um, but I, I was I was surprised by the consistency that Wisconsin's offense brought. Uh, I, I expected their defense to be pretty stout. They got big guys, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just feel like kind of Wisconsin brought a scheme in that they they just looked at last year's game plan and they said, look, we're not going to let Leonard Fournette beat us. If LSU was going to mm-hmm. beat us, it's going to be on Brandon Harris, so. Uh, but, I mean, it, it didn't happen. The guy finished with a 6.9 QDR and just can't win a game like that. Yeah, yeah. For me, uh, you know, Darnell, you brought up the whole Texas just real quick. Um, just huge shout out to Swoops, man. This guy's a senior. Uh, he's a backup. Um, a lot of times, you know, we see guys, people, you know, getting ready to graduate, to get ready to leave. Um, you know, they they find out they're backup, they want to leave, or you know, they're not into the game uh, like they should be. But this guy's number was called, and he stepped up. Like no other, uh, for Texas against that game against Notre Dame. So he, huge, uh, this good play on his part for Texas. Um, but the key surprises for me, uh, would be Alabama and LSU. Uh, LSU for me, just because, you know, oh, last year, you know, Leonard Fournette, he was doing his thing for the, uh, football team. This guy has the ability to just shatter records. But that won't happen if you honestly can't keep the defense honest. Uh, the defenses that they play against, they do not trust their passing game. Uh, their quarterback for LSU was making some big time mistakes, bad passes in that last game. So if they can't, tr- if the defenses aren't going to be able to trust that uh, LSU passing game, and LSU is not going to be able to uh, do anything with their passing game, they're just going to load up the boxes and just continue to put pressure on, uh, Fournette and that's just gonna wear him down throughout the season. It can really hurt his, uh, draft stock as well. So, um, you know, that's just a guy that gonna shatter records, but, you know, LSU, they need to get that passing game record if they wanna really ha- have a successful running game, just be a successful team overall. But for just Alabama to me, um, you know, they were number one. There was just many question marks I had against, uh, that team coming into the season. Um, even though I'm a huge fan of them, you know, with the whole quarterback, situation you know who would they start uh their defense my man kirby smart i uh, shout out to him for doing this thing over in georgia last week as well but um just so many question marks about this team you know they started off slow uh usc was hanging in there but as soon as they got person to the game and have them play uh, as the quarterback they really started rolling um i did not expect them to win with the fashion that they did um you know with all these question marks that i had with them in the season and they really stepped up. They looked really comfortable with Hurts. Uh so it's gonna be just uh interesting to see how he's gonna be able to uh lead that team further on. So I think, you know, with last week that pretty much settled who will uh start for the quarterback yeah. for now. And though
1: those guys were rolling when he came into the game. Yeah, and you know, just real quick jumping in, you mentioned swoops a second ago for Texas. How about that freshman quarterback they got? How many yeah. long balls did he put right on the money? True. Like, he, he yeah. looked, he looked good for a freshman quarterback. I mean, they, if they have him throwing those bombs all year long and swoops in those short yeah. situations or situations where they need to move the ball on the ground, they, w- with the ability to throw, they could, they could be dangerous. Exactly,
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think at some point, uh, with, with swoops in the 18 wheeler package, they're gonna have to have him throw the ball just so, yeah, it doesn't become just, you know, what's happening when he's in there. They, they're gonna have to throw in a little bit of, uh, like pass option or something like that where he'll take a couple steps out and drop back and hit somebody short, uh, just so that keeps people honest. But mm-hmm. I mean, as far as against Notre Dame, Notre that game plan was perfect. Yeah. I agree. Now, just with all the, you know, upsets and everything that just happened so far and everything and all the good games that we saw, do you guys think there should still be a preseason poll or what? I mean, realistically, no, just cause we, we don't know these teams until we see them. Mm-hmm. We, we know how good some of the kids are in high school that they recruit, so they might be building, uh, you might have an idea that a team might be good or not, but you never. Know, I mean, what USC had the number two or three recruiting class last year, and mm-hmm. they've been in the top five for the last four years, so everybody's expecting Alabama, USC to be a slugfest, and they got bow raced. Yeah. So uh, it, it's hard to do it because you don't know how these teams are going to be. But I mean, it's fun that they put it out. Basically, for talking heads like us to argue about it and see if we agree with it, and it's a discussion point.
1: Yeah, you know, I I agree a lot with what you're saying. Uh, To answer the question, should there be a preseason poll? I say yes. Uh, I believe it gives some of the smaller schools something to play for week one. Um, You know, Appalachian State—they're going out to try and pull off the upset. You know, they know they're not being picked to win the game. Granted. Any player will tell you they believe that they'll win the game, but uh odds are they most likely won't. You know, some of these smaller schools coming out, they they come out week one for the upset. Yeah. And I think that preseason poll gives the smaller schools a lot of motivation. Uh, it gives big-time matchups motivation. You know, one thing I think the BCS system had right was the fact that the BCS didn't come out with their rankings to, like, be five. They saw what the teams were before they put them in a ranking. Uh, that was one thing I liked about the BCS is you, you, you had, you had an appropriate sample size, you had a taste of what the team was, and then they gave them a ranking based on, you know, four or five games. And I, I think that is in a very, uh, is a very appropriate thing to do. Uh, whether you liked the BCS or not, I think the way they ranked the BCS starting it in, during the duration of the season was one positive that the BCS presented. Yeah.
0: That's why the same is done with the playoff committee. They, they need to get some games in front of them before they say we're the best four teams in the nation.
1: You know, the, and, and, you know, building off, off of that point, the BCS ranking, the college football playoff ranking, those are what count. The AP poll now is just kind of like Darnell said, it's a talking point. It's kind of messing around with the rankings it's like it gives the college football playoff committee something to look at for a few weeks. Mm-hmm. It, it, that that kind of seems to be all it is now. Uh, granted, the AP poll holds zero validity once the college football playoff ranking comes out, but it gives us something to talk about.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: true. And, and, and I would even say it is still a very fair assessment of where the teams should be ranked leading into the college football ranking. Yeah, because, I mean... The polls get
0: better after every week goes Because you you have some play on the field I mean, I guess the the preseason poll You take it just as a, a scoring guide Based off of last year And mm-hmm. players lost Who's stepping in what position So you try to make the best guess you can out of that But I mean, everybody knows it's not going to be really valid Until a few weeks into the season Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can. Uh, I agree with uh, both of you guys for sure, you know, with uh, both your assessments on it. Uh, just a little quick thing, too, I would just add, you know, is that, you know, one, yeah, the preseason polls, they are fun for sure, but another thing they could do, they could help put teams on the map and everything like that. Yeah. Um. You know, with the whole Appalachian state, you know, if somebody's growing up, they didn't hear about, you know, what happened to your. Uh, Michigan a little while back, Todd, you know, they can look at this game and say, okay, you know, these guys can actually play ball. So it gives a lot of, you know, respect and everything to those colleges that a lot of people don't hear about on Saturdays or see on Saturdays and, uh, be following a little bit more stuff like that. So, yeah. but now we're about to get to, uh, your guys team in particular, uh, University of Michigan and Michigan State. Um didn't really play, you know, like any powerhouses last week, uh, but how would you guys uh how did you guys feel about their performances overall?
1: Uh, you want me to go first on this one? Sure. Okay. Um uh, overall I liked what Michigan brought to the table for week one. Uh they just played with the week one type of intensity, you know, the players are just excited to be on the field having fun. What ended up being a sixty-point win for Michigan? You know, they basically just came out and acted like they were going to win by sixty points. I mean, there's really no other way to talk about it. Um, I uh, Wilton Spate was the quarterback, not the player I chose, but I'm not disappointed with the option. Uh, I really thought John O'Corn would win it, but uh, after a first possession interception, really a first pass attempt, first play interception. Will Spade answered really nicely, uh, let a touchdown drive uh, through, through for a few touchdowns, uh, really controlled the offense well, looked good. Uh, the defense looked good. Um, you know, they really kept Hawaii in check for the first half, uh, second half, Hawaii gained some yards on them and whatnot. But uh, with the new defensive coordinator coming over from Boston College, it looks like they haven't... Really skipped a beat from last year, a defense that was very, very improved last year. Uh, mm-hmm. looks like they've built off that momentum. Uh, a player you really like, you know, Jordan Lewis. I don't even believe you saw the field for Michigan. Uh, they said yeah, he was, yeah, nursing an injury. They just want to make sure he's healthy. Uh, can't, can't really blame them there. Uh, but Jabril Peppers, now a linebacker, looks good. Uh, he made a few tackles, uh, he made the first tackle of the game, which I really like to see. It shows, you know, he still has a nose for the ball, loves to get at it. Um, you know, just overall, uh, a player I was really impressed with. Freshman running back, uh, last name Evans, uh, rushed for over 100 yards, had a couple touchdowns, uh, just looked, it, it's, it's hard to say, you know, someone looked really good against Hawaii, who's led up over 50 and 60 points in back to back weeks, but, you know, he looked good. Uh, the offensive line provided holes for him to run through. Uh, you know, maybe he can turn into something, uh, as a solid option running back. I don't know if he'll take the starting job from Davion Smith right away, uh, or ever, but if he could be a second option that's really solid, uh, I, I will not be disappointed at all. It's all, it's always nice to have a couple options in the backfield. Uh, players get banged up in football. And yeah. It happens. So to have a couple options back there is really nice. Uh, the receiving core uh, looked good. We That's something Michigan fans should expect. Jake Butt caught a pass for a touchdown. Uh, Amara Darbo caught a touchdown. Uh, Jake Uchesson caught a few passes, almost 100 yards. Uh, in reality, Michigan showed enough to show promise for the season coming forward, both offensively and defensively. Uh, I'd take it with a grain of salt only because it was Hawaii, but for week one,
0: uh, I liked what I saw. Alright. I did not <laughs> like what I saw. <laughs> uh, were were yeah. you nervous? After that pick, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like, I'm not going to lie about it. I mean, I love my team, but I'm going to be honest about them. They, they did not play up to expectation. I know traditional Michigan State, they're a little bit sluggish game one, uh, but I Didn't expect this game to ever be like in question. Uh, there were a couple bright spots. I'll get to those. Uh, LJ Scott, uh, submitted himself as kind of that bell cow. He had uh, 20 carries for 105 yards and a touchdown. So solid numbers there. Uh, Monty Madeira stepped up as that lead, uh, receiver, uh, five receptions for 85 yards. Uh,
1: we had a lot of,
0: people get nicked up in the game so that was i don't know if that clouded some of the things uh offensively uh tyler o'connor was was kind of lives wasn't a bad game for him except for the late interception where uh i think that's just something he's gonna have to work on like he there's a couple times where he seemed to be kind of staring his receiver down uh it, Gotta work on looking off receivers, especially as a senior stepping up. You have to do that. Uh, RJ Shelton left the game early, so that, that was another weapon that he lost. Both tight ends got in the end zone. I like seeing that, uh, showing that they're gonna be part of that offense. Uh, my issue though was along the defensive line. Uh, I know play calling is usually vanilla in a game like this, so they're not gonna. Try to show too much, uh, because we have Notre Dame coming up in two weeks. So I know they didn't want to give away too much as far as plays that they have cooked up or whatever, but I did not like how much they got gashed by, uh, especially little running back Moorhead, uh, got 83 yards, over 20 carries. I mean, he didn't break 100, but as a team, I think they had about 150 yards, uh, rushing. Just, didn't sit well with me. Uh, you could see Malik McDowell is a beast, but he's going to need help. Uh, he was dealing with double and sometimes triple teams trying to break open through plays, and he was still doing it. So didn't have an issue with him, but uh, his, his cohorts on the on the D line are going to have to step up. Uh, I did like uh, how the secondary played outside of two big. Pass interference plays by Hicks. Turn your head, son. That's all you got to do, and you would be fine. Uh, but, yeah, uh, definitely a lot to clean up on defense. And, uh, yeah, I was, I was nervous on Tyler O'Connor's late interception, but Andrew Dowell made a ridiculous interception the next play. Basically a one-handed grab, and they were able to put it away from there. But rough game, a lot to look at, a lot to fix. Uh, but I'm not, like, I was pretty much furious after the game started, but after a couple days, I rewatched the game. I think, I think it's a lot of stuff that can be fixed, especially on the penalty side, because there's like 10 penalties for 110 yards or something like that. Uh, you fix a lot of that. That's a lot of jams that they let Furman get out of by
1: stupid penalties, so. You know, just talk about Michigan State here. You know, I, I said it in our group text. Michigan State tends to not look good week one like you said yeah. uh, I mean, if we remember last year, they made it to the college football playoff after letting Western Michigan hang around week one. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I I never judge a team week one. It's it's easy to do, but it's not smart. <laughs> yeah. You know, just for Michigan State, like, uh, you
0: know, it's a good thing they have a bye week, but it's still tough, uh, I believe you pointed out last week too, Darno. They got, a uh, 10 games straight after this bye week, right? Or 10, 11. Oh yeah, 11. They so. just go straight on. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, you know, it's a good week for them, you know, to get this bye week in because they're going to have Notre Dame, uh, next week. And then after that, they're going to have Wisconsin. Uh, I believe, but, you know, like I said, it's week one, you know, everybody's not going to be at their peak, nobody's going to be playing, you know, they're 100% best, you know, to start mm-hmm. the season off, so, a lot of things for Alabama. everybody to work out, so, <laughs> you said what? Unless yeah, you're Alabama. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> True, man, because they looked, so good. yeah, we'll get to them in a sec, bro. but yeah, they looked amazing, but, you know, yeah, just, everybody has some stuff they still got to work on, for sure, so. Uh but anything else to add uh about your guys' things uh before we move on. Nope. Alright. Hopefully in the in this bye week they, they clean up some stuff. Yeah. Alright, you good too, Ty?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm all right. set.
0: Alright, well now we already uh said a, uh added something about the Alabama uh versus USC game, but uh you guys have any other thoughts on it? They answered a lot of questions I had. I mean Unless yeah. unless, unless USC is a, a fluke, basically, and just not a very good mm-hmm. team, which I guess the rest of the season will show. But, I mean, they they came out at the beginning, USC looked like they were going to try to fight, uh, even got on the board first, mm-hmm. but then it just seemed like Alabama just started steamrolling them, especially after Jalen Hurts came in and pretty much snatched that starting job and... Set it up for himself yeah. uh, Barnett might get Another shot because I mean, his numbers weren't Terrible but he just Wasn't really as electric As Hurts is And you know Alabama Was Alabama they ran all over Him they threw all over him and The defense was like, After pretty much USC's First draft defense just turned in The steel Curtain yeah. so I, I, like you're almost ready to just give him the trophy week one, but I know we got, I know we got a lot of season. Yeah, for him. yeah. yeah injuries yeah. can
1: happen. Anything, man. Yeah, so it's just, true. Yeah, you, you know, I saw a lot of good out of Jalen Hurts. You know, early on looked a little nervous, but that fumble, I was like, oh, yeah, man. I mean, but in reality, who wouldn't be being thrown into the middle of a game like that? Yeah, um, time, especially yeah. not exactly expecting to be put in the game. Um, you know, so I, I don't, I don't blame him for any of those early miscues that he had, but I will say with it only being week one, Kurtz looked good, but I still believe he has some stuff he needs to work on. I think he needs to work on his arm a little. Uh, I feel like he did a pretty good job of reading coverage though. And that led to a lot of easier throws for himself. Most notably, he read, uh, very well. Uh, I believe it was, can't remember if it was the first half or second half, but the, uh, USC secondary showed blitz. The wide receiver got right past him, and he basically had a nice little 10-yard dump pass. uh, And that led straight for a touchdown right up the sideline. Uh, He did a really good job of reading the coverage, seeing what was available for him, and taking it. And I'm going to go ahead and say he did that very well with the run as well. Uh, You know, scoring both through the air and on the ground, he just looked really solid, uh, especially for a first game. Yeah, uh, and you know, I'll just piggyback on Darnell. The defense took control. Uh, the defense did a really good job of allowing the offense to work. Um, you know, the offense didn't put the defense right back on the field, and in turn, the defense did a really good job of stopping USC and keeping that offense on the field. Uh, it, it, it that was I I feel like that was just the definition of a very good team win all the way around. Yeah. You know, just uh, something for me to add real quick. If you look at the
0: uh, Alabama championship teams under Saban, you know, they had uh, just quarterbacks that were just uh, game managers, you know, five managers mm-hmm. and things like that. Uh, Hurts, you know, he looks like he can evolve into something bigger than that. Uh, you know, that guy, just looking at that game, he has a very high upside, uh, mm-hmm. especially since his freshman year. You know, it seems like he could branch out and do something beyond that and uh, really be a great uh Quarterback uh, in the NCAA. So it's just going to be interesting to see how he's just going to evolve, um, you know, this season, next season, and so forth. But uh, because I got, just looking at him, you know, he had a lot of potential uh, once he started getting some confidence and started rolling, getting some uh, plays to get him going and everything like that. So,
1: you know, and over the last few years, it just seems like Sabin cannot make a bad decision. Yeah. You know, deciding to take Burnett out, putting in Hertz. It was just like, you could not have had that situation turn into any more gold than it did. Yeah.
0: And, uh, too, you know, we brought it up before the show. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how, um, you know, they're, they got Sarkeesian now. So I know, uh, Darnell, you said over the phone, yeah. um, with, you know, people could be looking at potentially getting, uh, Kiffin a head coaching job or something. So this is a uh, USC guy. Uh, that could help uh, bring some talent uh, to the Alabama's office and so forth. So, it'll be interesting to see what he can do uh, in the future for them. Yeah, I mean, Saban's just one of those guys where I think he's he's one of those coaches that's just honestly playing chess when everybody else is playing checkers. So he's three steps ahead. You know, there's missteps here and there, but I think he he knows just. I think people have kind of worn back up to Lane Kiffin after last year and already game one this year, opening up the playbook. People are seeing he's he's a very good offensive mind, yeah. even though he may rub people the wrong way and probably is not the one you want as the head coach if you're at a prestigious place. Uh, but, I mean, the NFL might come calling for him to be a coordinator or, like I said, a uh, a not-too-highly-rated school might want to call him in to see if he might be their head coach to see if he can take him up to the next step. And I think Saban knows that. So getting somebody else that would be a seamless transition on offense, uh, like he's done so many times with his defensive coordinators. Yeah. All right, guys, anything else to add uh, about Alabama-USC? Uh, Alabama's going to be scary all year if they keep this up. Tide is rolling. Yeah. Already week one. Uh, okay. Up next, uh, Notre Dame versus Texas. Uh, this definitely, you know, it is week one, but I, this potentially is going to be game of the year, man. That game yeah. was just an absolute just
1: thrill to watch. Amazing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What do you guys think about it? Yeah. You know, I think Notre Dame really figured out who their quarterback was. I think that it's it, it was a no brainer. If you watched the game, it was it was obvious who the better quarterback was. Um, I think Notre Dame's passing game is their strength offensively. Uh, with Tory Hunter Jr. being their best wide receiver, um, I think they have the ability to put up a lot of points almost every week uh they they had some offensive line struggles that I noticed throughout the game a little bit. Um, I also think Texas's defense was a little underrated. uh not many people are talking about them, and they showed up and looked really good at some times uh, but you know i I think in terms of Notre Dame figuring out who their quarterback was, naming him the guy, I think that was the smartest thing they could do moving forward because with the two back or with the two qB system, it seemed like they were two completely different teams. You know they went out and scored on their first possession, and then I believe they had a three and out, or they got one first down, and that was it. They're they punting, so it it was. I was almost surprised they stuck with two QBs for as long as they did. Uh, I don't know whether you could say that hurt them or whatever. I mean, they still had an opportunity to win the game, so I yeah. don't think you could blame it on that. Um, in terms of Texas, uh, yeah, I really liked what I saw. Great freshman quarterback. Um, Buchel, Buchel, or however you pronounce that. Um, yeah, I think it's uh, Buchel. Yeah, Buchel, I believe that's right. I mean, I, I think he looked great. He was hitting the long ball right on the money, and Texas dropped two of them right in the hands. Um, but I think he – those who knew him be, before going to Texas, I don't think they would say they, they were surprised. But, you know, for us who, you know, didn't follow Longhorn recruiting, first time really hearing of this guy, you you had to be super impressed by what he was doing. And then the ability to bring in uh, Tyrone Swoops and run the ball with such efficiency, uh, that was really hard for Notre Dame to stop. Uh, the final score indicated that. Uh, really, the final play indicated that. But, uh, you know, I, I think Texas looks very promising. Uh, Coach Strong is really working well with these guys. I think Texas believes in him. I think Texas believes uh, in the team they're putting on the field now. I think this win was huge for the program. Uh, I think that the game was great from beginning to end. I, I felt very compelled with the game. I felt very into the game, despite not having a rooting interest. Uh, I just, I said it. I think that game could rival game of the year already. But overall, I think we could see that obviously someone had to win. Uh, both teams looked good in areas and bad in others, but I think overall people would say they're a little surprised by Texas. Uh, probably not expected to win that game, but they, they were definitely some of the big winners over the weekend along with Wisconsin, which we'll get to, uh, jumping from not ranked to 11th. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
0: with this game, it's just one of those, what a, what a difference a year makes situation. Cause, you know, last year, Texas was only able to put up three points against Notre Dame and Notre Dame still scored in the 40s. And uh, a year later, Texas is with them through the whole game and takes it out in overtime. Uh, like I said, I'm still not sure where these two teams are. Uh, I think, uh, those suspensions on defense hurt Notre Dame a lot more than people were thinking. And, uh, of course, Texas was at least a little bit underrated. Uh, I think people were just buying into that hype. This is probably Charlie Strong's last year, especially if they can't muster up and win some games and show some improvement. Uh, it looks like what he's tried to put in place is finally starting to show. Uh, he had to get rid of a lot of good players, but just bad seeds for the team to kind of rebuild the unity of the the team and put things together. It seemed like at times boosters weren't behind him, uh, but it looks like he, he has something brewing here now. Like It seems like a Texas team that we remember from back in the day. They have a, a quarterback that seems to match up to I'm not, not putting him up here yet, but I'm just saying that it could be your next Vince Young or Colt McCoy. Uh, and a defense that you expect from Texas is flying around, getting to the ball. I mean, not saying that this is the best D I've ever seen. They did allow 47 points. Yeah. Uh, so like, I'm not trying to annoy them, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, like a 90 point Cowboys. Yeah. yeah or, or that, but they, this seems like a good football team now outside of Texas the last few years, which has been a complete dumpster fire. Yeah. Uh, so, like, I'm, I'm with both of you guys. It was one of the most fun games I've watched, uh, in this short season. It was the best game of, of last week, probably. Uh, I agree with you, Ty. Notre Dame has found their quarterback in Deshaun Kaiser. I don't know what Chip Kelly was thinking, like, still trying to, Plug Malik Zaire in in time. Yeah, he was sticking with that for quite yeah. a while in that game. You know that yeah. could have cost him. It, it could. I, I I don't disagree with that. Uh, you know Chip Kelly is, or Brian Kelly. I'm yeah, sorry, Brian. Yeah, Chip, Brian Kelly. Uh, sometimes he he he's stubborn in his own way, like thinking mm-hmm. what he's gonna do is gonna win. So, uh, he he made some mistakes there. Uh, I think think. Trying to do too much switching quarterbacks uh, I don't know If he's just trying to follow suit With what Texas was going with But it, it doesn't work as well for them He needs to just stick with Kaiser And, and roll with the punches uh, Of course it didn't help Notre Dame That uh, Torrey Hunter Jr. went down With a concussion uh, yeah. Though though his teammates Picked it up well enough uh, Equin and St. Brown Five catches for 75 yards And two touchdowns uh, CJ Sanders got an end zone. Uh, I think Notre Dame has a good team. I'm not sure how good their defense is either. Uh, that, that safety they got, uh, dismissed from the team and starting cornerback that's suspended indefinitely. I think those are issues that, I mean, if, if they don't tighten things up, I think most, most teams are going to be seeing if you might be able to win a shootout with Notre Dame if you can uh, keep attacking them through the air, yeah, now, just well, you know, don't wanna hype you know teams up so much, you know this has been week one, uh, but do you guys, just based on what you saw, do you guys think Texas can be the dark horse to win their conference this year? I don't want to go that far yet, yeah, uh, yeah, I agree, uh Oklahoma they lost to a good Texas uh Houston team. Uh, I'm pretty sure they're gonna be sore, and when the Red River Rivalry happens in a couple weeks, I think they're gonna be out for blood there. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, like I said, I'm not a I'm not a Texas uh, alum or fan, so I I know they're one of those blue blood, blood colleges like a uh, USC or an Alabama or a Michigan, so they're probably expecting to be great this year. I'm not expecting that. I'm looking at them as what they are. They've had to make uh a lot of they, – they've had to basically break themselves down to build themselves up. That's what Charlie Strong has been doing. Uh I can see the progress. I think they're probably a nine-win team right now, unless they show me a little bit more on the defensive side where they can start shutting some teams
1: down. But right now, I'm, I'm not giving them the Big 12.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go ahead and say they're going to win the Big 12, but are they probably the dark horse team to slide in and maybe take it? I would have to say they would be the team you would pick in that category. Um, I mean, TCU had a close one that shouldn't have been close. Uh, Baylor had a nice win, but they didn't really play anybody. I think they played... Some school out of Louisiana, but you know it's it's just the idea that that's a very solid week one win that you can easily build off of. That that's a momentum win. Yeah, and, and uh, Taylor
0: played Northwestern State. So yeah, so I mean forty, basically a fifty
1: uh, spread, um, fifty yes. points spread. So. Yeah, so yeah. you know if if they can really ride the momentum that they received from beating a highly ranked Notre Dame team. Yeah, maybe they can make noise this year. Possible. It's always possible. Yep.
0: For sure. Um, now just do you guys have anything else to add to the NCAA overall before we move on? No, just happy football's back. Yes. Same here. Uh just gonna get into the uh our pickums real quick, uh, for last week. You guys both of you guys are both tied for the lead. Uh three one, I'm at two two. I was, man, I was Feeling it at first, man. When Ole Miss, I was about to start making fun of you guys. Uh, I, I, but, you know, I will when, admit, when halftime came, it just—I don't know what happened, man. It just. Jameis Winston. Happened.
1: <laughs> that speech. <laughs> <That's> that <laughs> halftime speech. But but I, I will I will tell you, I thought Francois was not the right choice for quarterback, and then he started to turn it up a little bit. Yeah.
0: I'll and, be honest there, and I mean going to something I said last week. It depended if we got, we get good old miss and bad old miss
1: or good Chad Kelly or bad yeah. Chad Kelly. Yeah. We
0: got all of that yeah. in one
1: game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, un- un- unfortunately, we got two different ones and two different halves. Yeah. For yeah. Unfortunately for Ole miss, it's not like it was a drive by drive thing. It was a half time. Yeah. Thing. I
0: just, you know, I just thought, man, it's just being season opener. Those guys were to come in there, just bring it. They brought it. Soon as halftime came, second half, it was just a completely different team. I was just like, wow. It's true. And, you know, they got to, you know, you got to be consistent, man. If you're going to bring it the first half, you know, you got to bring it the second half. Too much talent uh for these other teams, man. They could just step it up and just win the game. So, for sure. Um, But we're about to get to the NFL now. Um Season starting up this week. Uh, tomorrow we got a big game we're gonna get into that. We're gonna make our pickums, uh, this week for the NFL, uh, since we don't really have a lot of, uh, really game, good games pleasing to the eye happening the, the week two for the NCAA. But this, what are you guys mostly excited for this season, uh, for the NFL? I mean, I think it's just the usual stuff you get excited for. It. You want to see, like, What teams are going to come back? I don't think many people are expecting Denver to be able to repeat. So I think most people are expecting a, a new champion to crown this year. Uh, can Carolina get back? Maybe they, they have a lot of their team returning. They don't seem to be in as much flux as Denver does. I mean, people, I I figure they still have a really good defense, but. Not sure about that quarterback situation. You got quarterback starting that most people are saying who? So, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh Sorry, oh, oh, was it Trevor Simeon? Yeah, Trevor Simeon out yeah. of Northwestern. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, sorry, dude. But <laughs> nobody expected you to be the QB1 for the defending Super Bowl champions. I don't think people yeah. like that look. Uh And, you know, a lot, a lot of new faces in new places. Uh, RG3 experiment. See how that works out, especially once Josh Gordon is back on the field. Tony Romo is once again injured. How will that affect Dallas? Uh, seven and 20 with, uh, Romo injured, I believe. Uh, Yeah. So, gonna have to see what that can do, man. So. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot, a lot of stuff to look out for. I think we're going to end the year with a, with a new champion from last year. So just excited to see how that goes.
1: Yeah, you know, I think one thing the general football fans going to be excited to watch is what's going to happen to New England without Tom Brady. A lot of people are going to hope for an 0-4 start. I don't think that's going to happen, but I think a lot of people are going to watch New England the f- as long as they're on TV to see if they lose, uh, so I think that's just gonna be interesting to watch whether no no matter what you think's gonna happen to them, it's gonna be at least intriguing. Uh, another thing I think that's gonna be pretty intriguing this year is now, with recent happenings, Minnesota getting Sam Bradford in a trade that I think surprised a few people surprised me because uh, you know with. Teddy Bridgewater being the future of that team, I don't understand why they'd go out and trade for Sam Bradford. I mean, I I get the logic. They can still win now with Sam Bradford, uh, despite him not necessarily being the best of quarterbacks by the numbers. He he can lead a team. Uh, He's had good moments, bad moments in the NFL. Just hopefully he can stay healthy for them. Uh, and then I think the last thing I'm excited for in general is just you know kind of everybody cheering for their own favorite team um, you know just being excited the NFL's back something something to watch on TV on Sundays it's not a movie on TBS or TNT or something yeah. uh, just you know more more football just more football yeah for sure
0: you got a great way to Great games to watch that Saturday for college. And then, you know, Sunday we're going to have some more games uh, to watch as well. So, it's going to be fun. So, for sure. We're about to get into our Pickles now. Uh, we're all from Michigan, man. So, we're going to talk Detroit every week. <laughs> See how many wins we're all going to believe that they're going to be able to pull off this oh, year, man. <laughs> so, they're going to play the Indianapolis Colts um at Indy. At Indy. For those who are curious. Uh, real quick, let me see if I can pull up the spread, uh, for Detroit. Uh, Indianapolis, they have a three and a half, uh, spread lead for the Detroit game. So. Wow. Yeah. Got three and a half at home, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you guys thinking? Uh, give me Andy. Uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when we talked about them earlier, I already said what my ceiling was, and it's not very high. So, yeah. I mean, I'm not huge on the Colts either. Uh, they're, I don't find them to be a, they're an okay team, but I think Andrew Luck is probably going to have his way with Detroit's defense. He's uh, got to, man. All that money he's making this year, oh, yeah. this is time to step up and... Nothing like it to step up against, you know, a team like the Lions. This would be a great game for him to, uh, get some momentum going and get some confidence going for the, uh, games to come. So. But yeah, so, uh, I take the Colts
1: 28-17. All right. This one's a hard one for me. Uh, now living <laughs> south of Indianapolis by about two hours. I feel like I have split Allegiance going on or something. I don't really know. (laughs) Okay, you can find the new teams as you. Hey, well, hey, they say blood runs thicker than water, so I'm gonna go with the hometown kitty cats and take the lions in the final seconds. Wow. Okay. Twenty-four to twenty-one. All right, nothing wrong with that.
0: Um, I got to go with Indi- Indianapolis, the Pulse. Um, I just think, man, Andrew Luck with all that money he's making, this got to be the year for him to step up. I think this is going to be the time for him to step up against a team like the Lions. Like I said, just a minute ago, you know, for him to get some confidence, uh start getting some rhythm going so he can get ready to play these uh heavy hitters in this league. So I think the, Col- the Colts are going to pull it off. I got them winning
1: 28th to thirteen. I guess the line. And also for the record, uh, I'm picking the Lions because as a true Lions fan, every year is the year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's true. Oh man. All right. Up next, we have the Pets versus the Patriots versus the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, what do you guys have? you
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Cardinals speaker uh, by six. Right?
1: Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 By I'll, six, I'll so. take it first. I will go with the Cardinals. Uh, I think Garoppolo is going to be a little shaky early. I think he'll find Gronk once, if not twice, in the end zone. Uh, I think just all around, Arizona has more more weapons, uh, better running back, better defense, better secondary for sure. Uh, um, so I'm gonna go with Arizona, easily cover the spread. I'm gonna pick them by two touchdowns. Uh, I'm gonna pick them 31-17. Alright. I'm,
0: um, I'm going with Arizona as well. I uh, just think that that defense is gonna be a little much for Garoppolo in his first start of the year. Uh, first start of his career probably, uh, in a regular season game. Uh, think the Colts, or the Cardinals, I mean, will come in. They, they really have something to prove, especially with how they fell apart at the end of last year. Uh, and you want to make a nice statement, even if it's the Patriots without Brady. Uh, I'm going to go with Arizona 28-20. righty, Um, I'm going to go with Arizona as well. I do think, uh, the Pastor QB, I think he's going to have an okay game. I was just talking with you guys before the show. Um, you know, when Brady was out with the injury, uh, Matt Castle, uh, he fit, they made him fit, fit right into the system. I think he's going to have a pretty good game into the system as well, but, you know, when Castle left, wasn't as hot. So I just think, you know, Bill Belichick in the system, I think it just benefits uh, QB. So I think he's he's not going to have a terrible game, uh, but I think, you know, he's starting off, you know, he's probably going to be nervous and things like that, but I think he's going to have an okay game overall, but. That defense from Arizona, I think those guys are going to step up big time for sure. So I got Arizona, I got them winning 28 to 10. Uh, put that down. And then we have the Super Bowl rematch, uh, tomorrow, uh, with Denver and the Panthers. How do you guys see that going? Uh, by the way, hold on, let me get the, uh, spread for
1: this one. Carolina by three. Yeah, Carolina by three. Carolina by three. Yeah, I'll go ahead and jump in here. Yeah, I think Carolina just has more returning at valuable position, aka the quarterback. <laughs> uh, Cam, Cam Newton. Just, I, I, think he is going to be able to do some with his feet. Um, I don't think the run game is going to get a lot going here. I think they'll find a little more through the air. Uh, both teams will bring very good defenses out on the field. Uh, I don't think that'll surprise anybody. I think this game's going to be medium to low scoring. Uh, I, I don't see there, I see there being probably more field goals than touchdowns. Uh, but I'm going to pick Carolina once again, just because of the Cam Newton factor. I will pick them 24 to
0: Uh, 13. all thirteen all right yeah, uh rolling with the panthers as well uh as I mentioned earlier, I really don't have any faith in Denver's quarterback situation right now until i'm proved wrong uh Carolina has what i am, i don't think its it isn't it. I don't think I'm overstating it to say probably one of the best two or three quarterbacks in the league and Cam. Uh, they had, he actually has some weapons coming back this year now. Uh, I think they'll be a more wide open offense either than, even than they got to be last year with Cam throwing a Ted Ginn in a trash can. Hmm. So, uh, I take them try to win this. Uh, I think Denver's defense will, Make a valiant effort. So I'll go 21, uh, 17. All right. I'm going to go with the Panthers as well. Uh, state they're going to be pissed off. You know, they lost in the Super Bowl, uh, against this team. They're going to come out fired up, uh, ready to play, uh, with this whole quarterback situation that Denver has, uh, with the new guy coming in. Uh, their defense is going to, I believe their defense is going to step up and try to put up a solid effort as well. Uh but just the Panthers just being fired up, you know, coming out of that Super Bowl. I think they're gonna have a chip on their soul shoulder this season. I think they're just gonna come out there just fired up, even though they lost uh Norman. I uh, think they're gonna just work hard and try to get back in there and possibly win it all this year. So I have the Panthers. I think they're gonna pull through twenty seven to ten. And last but not least, uh, our last game, uh, we have Los Angeles Rams versus San Francisco. There what's we go. Yeah, what's the spread on this one? This one, uh. This one is. Uh, LA, they have a
1: 2.5 lead on the spread LA, I don't know. I, I feel like this is just kind of two bad teams playing each other. <laughs> um, I think the Rams will support a little bit of a better defense. Um, Chip Kelly's coaching debut in San Francisco. I think it's going to take some time to get that ship started. So I'm going to go with Todd Gurley and the Rams in a low-scoring affair. Uh, I'm going to go 17-10. to That sounds like an
0: ugly game for a (laughs) Monday night football
1: (laughs) game. That's why it's the
0: later game. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I mean... I, I agree, it's two teams playing that I would probably rather not watch, especially with, well, oh, we got Blaine Gabbert starting on one side, uh, who, uh, I'm not sure why he's even starting, uh, oh, this is a tough one to <laughs> uh, <laughs> <pass. laughs> give, give me the Rams just as they got better players, I guess, uh, Three point spread. I think they cover it. Uh, they have a better defense, too. Uh, give me the Rams 20 to 10. 20 to 10. All right. Uh, not feeling these two teams either, man. Um, you put them on the pickup list. Yeah, because I have something to talk about after, so it's a lead up to it. But goodness darn it. Uh, but yeah, uh, this is just. It's going to be interesting, I tell you that, but I'm going to go with the Rams as well. I do think they do have better players uh but I think this is it's going to put some pretty decent points on the board for both sides. So, um I'm going to go with the Rams uh 28 to 24. Uh, you think the Niners put up 24, huh? Yeah.
1: I mean, they're both horrible. They both can you do didn't it. You did hear well. Gabbard, that quarterback. Well, what happens more often, scoring or booing? <laughs> that should be the real question. <laughs> I'll say booing. <laughs> Me too. I mean, th- this is going to be a game people watch the beginning of just to see what happens, and then they'll probably turn it off. Like, let's just be... Really about it. I well, mean, people oh, are gonna hey, have New to Rams go to work in and L.A. School in
0: the morning, man. So yeah,
1: L.A.'s gonna watch it, but who nationally? This game will have such low rate. Well, it'll have high ratings. Uh, for like it'll the first get watched. Football. But true. It's true. That is two
0: guys. they of eight and Jeff Fisher, and they're bad. Let's just I call it. How does he still have a job? By the way, <laughs> I don't know.
1: it is what it is, man. Let's
0: just leave it alone and move on. <laughs> All right. So I'm about to get my cousin up in here, uh, in a minute. He's been patiently waiting. Uh, you know, Kaepernick, he's been making, uh, the news like crazy last couple of weeks. You know, he's got people from other sports joining him and sitting, uh, down for national anthem. Uh, I forgot the lady's name. She's a soccer player. Megan Rapino. Uh, you know. Yep. She's, uh, sitting out as well. Uh, this just caused a lot of stir, um, in this, uh, just in the, for the whole country, you know, everybody's got something to say about it. Um, so, before I get my cousin here, just want to ask you guys, you know, is Kaepernick is he going to be bigger right uh, than this Monday Night Football game uh, come Monday? Because uh, uh, he's going to be, you know, even though he's not going to be starting, uh, he's going to be the talk uh, for that night. For tonight,
1: yeah, I, I guess I'll start on this one. I uh, I think the message has kind of been skewed by the media a little bit. As, as time's gone on and more has come on to the story, you know, we're watching it unfold and play out. I feel like the issue's becoming Colin Kaepernick, not what he's trying to bring light to. I, I feel like we find ourselves talking, or at least when you hear discussion, it's more about Colin Kaepernick sitting than it is oppression, than it is unfair treatment in society. Uh, so I think, is Colin Kaepernick going to be seen as bigger, the bigger story than the game itself? Yes, for two reasons. One, we already alluded to. Both teams are pretty bad. So, of course, what are you going to be talking about in between the bad plays? Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. Secondly, I think just in the society we live in, that's what we've talked about for the last, what, week and a half now? Has it been about that long? Yeah, about two week and weeks. A half, yeah. two weeks. You know, he's just about all we've talked about with the NFL, and this is the first time we've seen it on national TV. So it's going to be the main topic for at least the first quarter of the game. Um, If it goes a little longer than that, they'll talk about it at halftime for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if there's somebody in the press box and they're talking about it with him uh, or her. Um you know, I, I just feel that he's going to be main topic for a while. Um and whether or not people like it, it's how it's gonna be. I would like to see more discussion around the the main issue rather than around Colin Kaepernick. But uh it's just the way it's played out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean it's it's definitely gonna be something that even if the NFL doesn't want it, it's it's gonna be something that's front and center. I mean he's he he's still gonna be taking a knee during the national anthem and cameras are gonna be on it. They're gonna be panning through the crowd to see what the reaction is about it. Mm-hmm. Uh it's it's a polarizing issue, so yes, he is going to be technically bigger than the game. Uh for at least the first part of it until people start getting into the game. The whole discussion's not going to be on mm-hmm. that. It will be talked about again Tuesday morning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, nobody's going to care about the score, really, uh, on Tuesday. It's going to be like, okay, Cam is still sitting, and even if he doesn't see the field or take a snap, he's probably going to be talked to after the game. And it's... I mean, it's the biggest story in sports right now, so of course it's going to be bigger than Monday Night Football. Yeah. All right, Kazo, uh, you there? Uh, see, if I'm here. You. All right. Yep. We uh, speak up. Yeah. See if we can hear you. Good. Yeah, I'm here. All right. Good. Good. Uh, reason why I got you on the show, man. Uh, you know, everybody's been talking about, you know, how, you know, how the vets feel and everything. You are a vet. How do you personally feel about this whole Kaepernick issue? Me personally, I don't see it as a problem. I mean, he's exercising his personal right to, uh, to state how he feels, whether by speaking or, in his case, taking a seat. Now, did you feel, uh, since you were a vet, do you feel like, in any way, shape, or form, he, um, him sitting uh, during the national anthem? Do you think that's, uh, you, if you felt like offended in any way or what? No. Okay. Now, what okay. about um, like talking to like, you know, friends and stuff in the military, uh, how do they feel about that as well? Hey, it's, it's a mixed reaction because, uh, it was a guy that I was close with that I deployed with, and, uh, the conversation kind of came to light, and he, I, I could tell by the tone of his voice that he thought I was crazy for how I felt about it. And then if you, if you go to Twitter, I've seen the hashtags, uh, veterans for Kaepernick, you it's, it's pretty much down, split down the middle, 50-50 from what I've been saying for the most part. Yeah. Cause, question, uh, do you feel like sometimes, I mean, just to, like Tyler alluded to it earlier, like people really don't want to talk about the issue of what Cap has stated, why he's sitting or taking a knee now, uh, to try to curb it so people didn't feel like he was disrespecting Vest, but, do you feel like the vet issue is kind of uh, a crutch or a distraction from getting to what what's really a hand at what he's talking about? Because, uh, I mean, a lot of times when people use that one, like it's disrespecting the veterans and people that have fought for our country, like my first question, I usually want to go, okay, well, what are you doing for these vets that you seem to be so offended for, especially if you're not one? Exactly. I feel that, that in many cases they are using it, the- because um some of those same people will probably say, "Oh, you're disrespecting the vets," but yet it was years ago when Iraq, yeah, the war kicked off back in like two thousand three, two thousand four. there was the main ones against it, and and uh and then speaking of vets, like if they saying all that, I see a lot of them. That I'm pretty sure they don't do. They don't do much to help the homeless vets that's out there. They. it's it's, it's a whole lot that can go into that that just goes beyond the surface of just what they're trying to use that as a crutch is. So you think like the media just overall like they are just not really how the way how they've been presenting the issue like they've just been making it that they lose focus on the actual issue that Colin Kaepernick is sitting down for. Long story short yes.
1: Do quick, quick question, I guess, coming from me. Do do you think that players that are deciding to come alongside Colin Kaepernick and kneel during the anthem or sit as uh, the player from Seattle is choosing to do, do you think that this might become the new way to try and push your own personal agenda and then not necessarily make a mockery of Colin Kaepernick, but just kind of make this the new thing to do. And it's not really pushing the issue. It's just, Hey, I saw it get attention one time. So I'm going to do it and then push my agenda. Like, do you think that diminishes what Colin Kaepernick's trying to do?
0: Oh, that's a, that's a good question. But you, you know, with everything that goes on, it's a lot of people that just jump on the wave. Just like you said, just, just mm-hmm. so they can get attention to to bring whatever issues or problems they have about whether it's relative Somewhat relevant to the situation, or are they just doing it just because they see somebody else doing it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I got a I got a question just for you know everybody up in here. You know, mm-hmm. uh, when I was just thinking about uh, in particular, um, you know, just like peer pressure and stuff like that. Like, what percentage of like NFL players would you guys say, uh, particularly like the black athletes? would want to join Kaepernick and sitting out for the um, national anthem, but, you know, are, you know, either scared, you know, they're not making money like he's making, uh, peer pressure, you know, what would a coach, uh, other teammates think, uh, you know, and so forth like that. Do you think there's a lot of uh, athletes, too, that would like to join Colin Kaepernick in this issue, but are just nervous about it or what? I would say for sure. I mean – it, it just honestly, it takes a certain type of person to be able to do what uh, Colin is doing. You know, I mean, it, it was a ballsy thing he did. He he's he's not he's not the face of a franchise anymore, so it's not like he he doesn't have that bulletproof shelter for himself, knowing that he's carrying a franchise where if he does something like this, there's not going to be a big repercussion for him. I mean he he's had you you, you read some of the posts last week. He, he's had front office people cussing about him, calling him everything, yeah, but the child him to yeah. Yeah. And uh you've had players on um, on both sides talking about him. There's been wonders would he be cut just because of doing this. Uh like he, he put a lot on the line doing that. You know, most, a lot of people in this situation, even if they are, uh, the face of a franchise, it's a tough statement to make. Like, we, we alluded to it back, uh, last week as well. Like, Muhammad Ali lost some of the prime of his career standing up against the Vietnam War, saying he refused to, uh, apply for the draft. Yeah. Like, he, he got his boxing license taken. And this is, that, that's losing a livelihood. That's, it's not quite on par because Collins made some millions that he got to put away, but he, he, he pretty much risked blackballing himself in the NFL doing that. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of people, they might not be willing to take that kind of a chance. And I'm not blaming them for that either. I mean, you, you do what you can in whatever way you feel comfortable. He, he felt something on his heart. And, uh, this is how he felt he should make it known. Uh, so that, that was the road he took, but I'm pretty sure there's plenty of people that agree with him, but they're too afraid to say it or show it. And and kneeling or sitting as well, because they, they might be in fear of losing that spot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I can agree with that. Um, you know, I guess kind of my own spin on that when you talked about, you know, possibly thinking what teammates or a coach may think, um, you know, if there, there's a lot to be said for team chemistry and something like this could very easily divide a locker room. Um I, I can see a ton of players saying, hey, you know, they completely agree with Kaepernick. They agree with the message. Um, just not the method. Um, and I personally don't think there's a problem for those who want to side with Colin Kaepernick's message, but still choose the method of standing during the national anthem. I think it's very possible to do both and still be in agreement with Colin Kaepernick. I, I don't think Colin Kaepernick is going to turn away Encouragement he's receiving from someone who still chooses to stand during the national anthem. Um, whether you stand or sit, like I said last week, one, you're still an American, and two, you can still be aware of what's happening in the society around you. So, you know, I, I think just because some people are standing doesn't mean they're disagreeing with Colin Kaepernick. They're just choosing a different method to either share the same message or uh they're choosing a different way to just express themselves. Yeah.
0: What do you think, uh, Gus? I can pretty much agree with uh both uh Darnell and uh and Tyler said. I mean it's there's more than one way to go about the message that you get that you won't put across I should say. My thing is, so long as it ain't out there, you ain't going around killing people, and you know, just going about it in a real, real negative way. And I feel like this last time I checked, this ain't North Korea, so you have a freedom to just to, to speak about how you how you feel about it, whether it's like taking that seat, taking taking the knee, taking the seat, vocally. I don't see anything wrong with it because it could be it could be worse ways. He could be out there spreading his message. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Overall, just uh, with me, um, you know, I'm fine with you know everything Kaepernick's done. Like the only real issue that I would say, kind of, I think he kind of went too far was the whole like uh, socks issue with the whole like uh, cops yeah. and the pigs thing. I just think you know. Don't get me wrong, there's some bad cops out there, there's bad people out there, you know, no matter the profession, race, or gender, or whatever. But you know, the kind of you know, like dudes out there that's actually good cops out there risking their lives out there daily doing the right thing, uh, I think that was just kinda like a huge slap in the face for them. Uh so but overall, you know, I agree with the message, I just think, you know, with the whole Socks thing, uh they did I think he went too far. Okay. All right guys um anything else you guys uh would like to add to the show or anything before we close?
1: yeah, you know I personally, I only think it's appropriate to thank our very special guest for joining us uh, yeah. thanks for the service for your opinion um, you know i i, I honestly uh, i I've always said that people who join the service and you know put themselves on the line or you know, whatever they do, you know, it's, you know, they're, they're braver than I am to do it. So I, I definitely appreciate anybody who's willing to make that sacrifice and be willing to choose to defend our country. For sure.
0: Yeah, for sure. Thanks for coming on, D.
1: There's
0: no problem. I was glad to, glad, to, uh, for the invite and I, uh, I don't know about the very special guest part, man. I'm just. <laughs> Just an average listener like anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But, uh, I got to give you a shout out too, man. Uh, you know, uh, my cousin Derek, you know, he's got his own thing, YouTube thing going on with, uh, cars right now. So, you know, he's up there getting some views and stuff. Uh, find him on YouTube at the Black Scat Pack, right? Yeah. And, uh, you got a Twitter or Instagram or anything too? Yeah, I got an Instagram, uh, same name. Alright. So you can follow them on those two. Uh, y'all can check us out. Uh, y'all can Google us on, um, you know, just start typing in Don't Kill the Messengers podcast. You know, we're on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, uh, everywhere I could possibly think of. So just search us. And, uh, you can find us on Twitter as well at DKM underscore cast. So that's about it. So appreciate y'all for listening and tuning in. Um,